Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. And you can find us at 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in the Manchester area and beyond. 1450 on the AM dial and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. We are waiting for Neil Levesque from the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. And Neil should be joining us in just a moment or two. First of all, in the news this morning from WMUR, New Hampshire State Police have identified the woman whose body was found along Interstate 89 in Hopkinton. They also announced an arrest in connection with that case. Authorities said that Gina Mayorano, 27 years old of Henniker, was found dead in the breakdown lane on the northbound side at about 12.13 a.m. on Monday. State police had released a photo of a tattoo on the small of her back. As they worked to figure out who she was, it's not clear how they were able to identify her, but state police thanked the media, the public, and partner agencies for helping make the identification possible. An autopsy showed that Mayorana died from blunt impact head injuries, but there is no word on how she got those injuries, and the manner of death has not been determined. Tuesday evening, state police arrested Thomas Shane Hanley, 30 years old, uh, from Henniker in connection with the case. He is charged with conduct after an accident, breach of bail, and stalking. News 9 uh, is waiting to learn what those charges are. At this time, authorities are not commenting on the relationship between him and Mayorano. So uh, the body was uh, identified after a couple of days, and uh, a very unfortunate situation there uh, along uh, Interstate 89 in the Hopkinton area. Seven people were shot too fatally when gunfire rang out Tuesday outside a downtown theater in Richmond, Virginia, where a high school graduation ceremony had just ended, causing hundreds of attendees to flee in panic, weep, and clutch their children. A 19-year-old suspect tried to escape on foot but was arrested and will be charged with two counts of second-degree murder. Interim uh, Richmond Police Chief Rick Edwards said during a nighttime news conference at which he confirmed those two fatalities. I'll tell you what, lots of uh, sports action going on on the local scene a little bit later this hour. We'll be checking in with Bob Lippman live from Cary, North Carolina, as the Southern New Hampshire University uh, baseball team is uh, looking for an NCAA Division II championship in Cary, North Carolina. They won their game yesterday. We'll play again today, and uh, Bob will have all the details on that coming up uh, around 8.45 uh, this morning. Girls Lacrosse Championships last night. In Division One. it was Bedford over Portsmouth, 14-10. Division Two Hollis Brookline got by Hanover, 
12 to 11. And in Division Three, congratulations to the top seeded Bo Falcons as Bo defeated the number two, the number two seed, St. Thomas Aquinas, 20 to 5. Tonight, the boys lacrosse semifinals will be played in Division One. Number two, Exeter, is taking on number three, Pinkerton Academy, at five o'clock, and uh, that game will be followed by Bishop Girton versus Merrimack at seven fifteen. Bishop Girton, the top seed, Merrimack, the number five seed. That'll be at Bill Ball Stadium. Both of those games, Bill Ball Stadium, in Exeter. In Division Two, number two, Derryfield will be taking on St. Thomas Aquinas at five. Number one, Portsmouth versus number four, Wyndham at seven fifteen. Those games at Stello Stadium in Nashua. And in Division Three, this is uh, boys lacrosse. Number two, Campbell will take on number three, Pelham at five. And undefeated and top seeded Bow will be taking on Hopkinton, the fifth seed, at 7.15. And those games are being played tonight at the Bank of New Hampshire Stadium in Laconia. Now, in addition to all that action, Division I baseball semifinals today. Uh, these games to take place at historic Holman Stadium in Nashua. At 4 o'clock, the number 7 seed, the Concord High Crimson Tide, We'll take on the third-seeded Pinkerton Academy Astros. That's at 4 p.m. And then at 7 o'clock, number one, Londonderry, will take on number four, Goffstown. Both those games at historic Holman Stadium in Nashua. In Division Two baseball, number two, Hollis Brookline, will take on number three, St. Thomas Aquinas at 4 o'clock, and number eight, Plymouth. We'll be taking on number four, Kingswood, at seven. Those games will be played at Memorial Field in Concord on Doan Diamond. And in Division Three, second seed, the Giants of Bishop Brady will take on number three, White Mountains, at four. And the top seed, Manadnock, will be taking on number four, Campbell, at seven o'clock. Those games to be played at Robbie Mills Park in Laconia. Softball championships. Well, in uh, Division One, number one, Concord, will be uh, taking on number three, Winnicunit. And in Division Two, number one, Kingswood, will be taking on Coe Brown Northwood. The uh, Concord game at 4.30 at Chase Field in Plymouth. And the uh, Division II game at DM Field at Plymouth State University at 7. So uh, there you go. The Division Three semifinals uh, will be played today at uh, Chase Field. So uh, at any rate, there you go. A lot of uh, action going on in uh, local sports. And we will try to keep you posted on them as, uh, as best we can right here at uh, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Again, uh, looking forward to chatting, hopefully today, with uh, Neil Levesque from the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College, another candidate in the fray officially as of this morning, as uh, former Vice President Mike Pence 
has filled out all his paperwork, and uh, he is ready to go. And uh, he is now an official candidate. It was uh, announced this very early this morning that uh, Mike Pence would be uh, officially in the fray for the Republican presidential nomination. Uh, Chris Christie uh, made it official yesterday, the former New Jersey governor, and uh, we have seen all the candidates so far right here uh, in the in the Granite State. Tim Scott has had uh, a very good presence here, along with uh, Nikki Haley. Ron DeSantis uh, visited the state uh, recently as they all gear up for the first-in-the-nation Republican primary uh, here in New Hampshire. I see that uh, uh, Tim Scott has upped his advertising uh, quite a bit on uh, on local media uh, and uh, making his presence felt uh, in the race. And uh, now we'll see uh, how uh, Mike Pence and uh, Chris Christie will fare as they uh, get into the battle. Of course, uh, the leading candidate right now in uh, all the polls for the Republican nomination is Donald Trump with about 50 percent uh, uh, favorability, not 50 percent favorability, but 50 percent of those polled uh, saying that uh, they would uh, vote for Donald Trump if the primary were to be held uh, tomorrow. And then most of the other candidates, except for DeSantis, are in single digits. Last I saw, DeSantis was uh, about 22 or 23 percent and uh, everyone else at uh, single digits uh, so far in terms of the uh, Republican presidential field. We will take a break here on Kale & Company. Hopefully, we can uh, make contact with Neil Levesque before this break comes to an end. You're listening to Kale & Company live here on WKXL, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And we will be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. On this Wednesday morning, and believe it or not, the uh, Red Sox won last night, coming from behind to do it, scoring uh, four runs in the eighth inning and beating the Cleveland Guardians. Still have to think twice before I say that nickname. Uh, they were known by another name for many, many years. But now uh, they are the uh, Cleveland Guardians and the Red Sox. Uh, winners last night, 5-4 to four, over the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, as far as the NBA is concerned, Game 3 tonight, Miami and Denver. That series tied at one game apiece. I'll tell you, there was some uh, shocking, shocking news yesterday. Uh, in in the world of sports, and that is that the uh, PGA Tour and the Live Tour announced a merger. No one saw that coming. Many of the top golfers had defected from the PGA Tour to take some huge money uh, with the Live Tour, which is uh, 
funded mainly by uh, Saudi, Amer- uh, Saudi Arabian sheiks. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of people uh, who lost loved ones in 9-11 that were not too happy with that merger uh, yesterday. And a lot of uh, PGA players were not happy with it either because it came out of the blue and they found out about it just like we all did through Twitter, through television accounts, uh, on the radio, whatever, on the Internet. PGA Commissioner uh, Jay Monahan, this is from ESPN, was called a hypocrite in a heated meeting with players at Oakdale Golf and Country Club in Toronto yesterday, hours after the tour announced it was forming a partnership with uh, Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund and the DP World Tour. Australian golfer Jeff Ogilvie told reporters that a player called Monaghan a hypocrite during the meeting, which lasted for more than an hour at the site of this week's RBC Canadian Open. PGA Tour winner Johnson Wagner told the Golf Channel that there was plenty of anger in the room. He said it was contentious. There were many moments where certain players were calling for new leadership of the PGA Tour and even got a couple of standing ovations. In a news conference with reporters later, Monaghan said he realizes he might be criticized for agreeing to form a new entity with Saudi Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund after he had questioned the source of the Live Golf League in the past. Monaghan said, I recognize everything that I've said in the past in my prior positions. I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. Anytime I said anything, I said it with the information that I had at the moment. And I said it based on uh, someone that's trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. I accept those criticisms, but circumstances do change. I think that in looking at the big picture and looking, looking at it this way, that's what got us to this point. The merger, the union between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, which seemingly and came out of nowhere, took everybody uh, by surprise. At last year's RBC Canadian Open, Monaghan was asked about the Saudi Arabian monarchy's connections to the September 11th 2001 attacks during an interview with CBS Sports. Monaghan said at the time, and I quote, I think you'd have to be living under a rock not to know there are significant implications. I would ask any player who has left or any player who would consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? End quote. Monaghan on Tuesday said that the PGA Tour had been in talks with uh, Public Investment Fund, PIF, officials for about seven weeks. He said PGA Tour Policy Board member Ed Herlihy and Jimmy Dunn had the initial meeting with Yasser El Rumanian, the governor of the Sovereign Wealth Fund. There were four in-person meetings as well as a number of video calls and phone conversations. During Tuesday's meeting with Monaghan, several players complained about being kept in the dark about the negotiations. 
Many players found out via social media on Tuesday before ever seeing a memo that was sent by Monaghan. Tour stars such as Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and John Rahm, and others were not told about the pending deal in advance, and neither were members of the Player Advisory Council. A source told ESPN that Monaghan didn't reveal many details of the plan with the PIF and the DP World Tour and stood in the front of the room and took everything the players gave him. Monaghan said, when you get into these conversations and given the complexity of what we were dealing with, it's not uncommon that the circle of information is very tight. In our case, we kept that information very tight. The fact of the matter is, uh, this was a shock to a lot of people because we were not in a position to share or explain as we normally would. And that was really a result of the commitment we had to maintaining confidentiality through the end. End quote. Monaghan said he understood players being frustrated about being blindsided by the news. Monaghan went on to say, obviously, it's been a very dynamic and complex couple of years. And for players, I'm not surprised. This is an awful lot to ask them to digest. And this is a significant change for us in the direction that we are going down, end quote. Others reacted more positively to the news, including legendary Jack Nicklaus, who called the agreement good for the game of golf. Nicklaus told the Palm Beach Post, I am certainly interested in seeing the details. Jay, that would be Jay Monahan, indicated that this all will happen in 2024. So very soon, the proof will be in the pudding. Whatever is best for the game of golf enjoys my full support, end quote. Now, the agreement ends all litigation between the parties and combines PIF's golf-related commercial business and the rights, including Live Golf, with the commercial business and rights of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour into a new collectively owned for-profit entity to ensure that all stakeholders benefit from a model that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players. According to a release, a board of directors will oversee the new entity's golf-related commercial operations, businesses, and investments. The groups will work to establish a cohesive schedule. So there you go. It's something that just apparently, I mean, after you know weeks of behind-the-scenes, very closely guarded negotiations, this seemed to just uh, shock the golf world entirely. And uh, we will see how it all plays out. You know, there are many on the PGA Tour still, like Tiger Woods, for example, who was offered over $700 million to join the Live Golf Tour. And he declined. He declined because he said, you know, what's the point? We're being paid up front. I mean, uh, you know, the, the competition won't be uh, as, you know, as intense as it would be on the PGA Tour because these golfers on the Live Tour were being paid hundreds of million dollars uh, up front. So, you know, if you win a tournament, big deal. Uh, and if you don't win it, so what? Uh, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, who loves the competition, turned down $700 million. That was the most notable case. There were others. 
uh, on the PGA Tour, like uh, McElroy and Rahm, uh, that also turned down very, very lucrative deals to join Live Golf to stay with the PGA Tournament. We are, you know, we are dependent on prize money and competing at a high level uh, every week you're out there. So some stuck with the PGA Tour. There were others that took the uh, big money offers. And uh, now some of the, uh, the ones who, uh, who, who refused that money on, on the PGA Tour uh, feel that they're being stabbed in the back and uh, a victim of the uh, quote-unquote hypocrisy displayed by the Tour Commissioner, uh, Jay Monahan. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out before 2024 when uh, the merger and the schedule uh, becomes official for uh, what should be a very intriguing year of golf, one year hence. We will take a break. Kale & Company continues right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. We'll be back right after these words on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. You know what's coming up next week in the state? It is Wine Week. Wine Week coming up next week. And we will be talking about that tomorrow here on Kale and Company and the, the beneficiary of this year's wine festival uh, coming up a week from tomorrow night uh, in uh, Manchester is the New Hampshire Food Bank. So we will uh, talk about all aspects of uh, Wine Week tomorrow. And then, of course, on uh, Friday, it's the Friday Fun Bunch. Tom Raffi will be in from Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, our resident flick chick, uh, Kitty Ray, will be uh, joining us on Friday for the uh, Fun Bunch. So we uh, look forward to that. Today is Global Running Day. Speaking of Tom Raffio and his wife, Ellen, who are involved in a lot of uh, running activities in the state and uh, have a new book out, uh, Stories from the Starting Line, uh, which is uh, available now. But uh, today is Global Running Day. I probably won't be taking part. Uh, in that, I may do some walking, but not necessarily running. Uh, it's June Bug Day. It is also National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. Cat, what is your favorite uh, ice cream flavor? I'm a chocolate girl. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm pretty basic. Yeah, or black raspberry. Oh, that's great. Yeah, how about uh, you? Black raspberry. Well, my all-time favorite is uh, rum raisin. Really? And, and I got that from my mother. She was a, a, 
rum raisin aholic. <laughs> I've never had it before. <laughs> it's wonderful, and there are some uh, uh, local ice cream stands uh, around here that uh, sell it, and uh, it is delicious. It is absolutely delicious. I'll have to bring some in. You'll, you'll have to some rum raisin. You know what I tried recently at Johnson's. Which I hadn't been to in quite some time. Johnson's ice cream is yeah. so good oh, in it Northwood, is. Yeah. and they have s'mores. Oh, they do! Oh, and it's so good. Wow, I, that might be be a close runner up to chocolate. Ah, no. okay. But have today, to try it. National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it is too yeah. funny. Yep, yeah, it is. It's celebrated annually on June seventh. I don't know why, but uh, June seventh is National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. It's also National Tailors. Day and VCR Day. You remember VCRs, Kat? I do. I have two in my apartment. You do, and and VHS tapes. Come on, I do. Wow, I do. You know, sometimes I like to look back on old memories with the family. Sure. And you know what's hilarious? Um, my mother Jane Cormier, who also has a show here right. um, called Artful Living. Yeah. Sometimes my childhood videos are recorded over with wrestling. <laughs> so oh, we've yeah. come from like my 10th birthday and then all of a sudden you see Edge <laughs> in the wrestling ring. Wow. That's <laughs> like, that you know, something. that's my life. That is, that is your life, but it's a good one. It's, it's a good a great life. One. It's a good life. I, I know you're uh, involved in another theatrical production, which is coming up in the not too distant future. So Yes. Uh, that that is going to keep you busy, yeah. as if you weren't busy enough already. I know. I I love. I just love theater. I I don't feel myself without being involved in some type of production. But um, yeah, I just got cast as Mother Abbess in The Sound of Music, which will be with the uh, Powerhouse Theater Collaborative in Laconia. So definitely go and check it out. Buy your tickets. Um, Four hundred tickets have sold already. Wow! So it's selling quick. So make sure to grab yours soon. Yeah, wow, the, the, <laughs> the hills are alive. They are. <laughs> and that's uh, in August, the 11th through the 13th, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. We might have a two-show day on Saturday, depending ah. on ticket demand. So There keep an will eye be out. demand. <laughs> there will be demand to see the sound of music. It's great. People can't uh, can't get enough of the sound of music, whether it be the uh, the film that came out in 1965 or the, uh, the musical that uh, Kat is going to be in. I, I have a story about the sound of music. Ooh, do tell. Uh, well, it has nothing to do really with the film itself. But this was in 19... And I, I remember the, the situation, the scenario specifically, on September 16th, 1965, Kat. Uh, there was a, a teacher's workshop uh, in the afternoon in Melrose, Massachusetts, where I went to school. And uh, my mother worked most of the time, but uh, because I had the afternoon off, she took the afternoon off and gave me a choice of going to see The Sound of Music, which was a sensation at the time. I, I mean, uh, you, you couldn't, you know, there was so few movie theaters around at that time. I mean, it's not like today when, you know, you have movie theaters that show the film you know, six, seven times a day, and, uh, you know, they've got it on three screens and, you know, all that stuff. It, it wasn't like that back in 1965. A, a lot of uh, cities did not have uh, movie theaters, so you had to go to Boston to see the big movies, all right? We lived in, in suburban Boston in, in Melrose, and there happened to be tickets available for that show on a Thursday afternoon 
1965. And uh, as my mother gave me the choice of going to that or a Red Sox-Cleveland Indians game uh, that afternoon. And believe it or not, I chose the sound of music. I, you know, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> well, well, they, they're, my rationale was, you know, it was tough to get tickets to the sound of music. Yeah, uh, the Red Sox were pretty much a, a lousy team back then, Not, even worse than they are now. And I had been to any number of games during uh, the Red Sox season, uh, so I, I selected the Sound of Music. Now, the, 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 that's a big deal. But the, the the story is, we got back out to my mother's car uh, after the Sound of Music. I immediately turned on the radio to see how the Red Sox did on that Thursday afternoon against Cleveland, and I heard them talking about a no-hitter. And I was thinking to myself, did I miss a no-hitter at Fenway Park? And the answer was, yes, I did. Wow. I did miss a no-hitter by Dave Moorhead of the Red Sox against the Indians in 1965. And no-hitters are very rare. Uh, in baseball. I have never seen one in person in all of my life, whether it be as a fan or as a broadcaster, I have never seen a no-hitter. And that would have been my opportunity. Ah. But I passed it up. So here's what I did. This, uh, because I said, oh, geez, I have to do something to acknowledge this. I mean, (laughs) and and the funny part was it was at Nuns Day at Fenway Park. Nuns Day. No way. And there were just, you know, there were just a little over a thousand people at Fenway for that game on a Thursday afternoon. The Red Sox did not draw very well back in that era. And uh, there were more nuns than anybody else. Uh, in the stands at Fenway uh, that day. I, on the way home from the movie, I had my mother stop at a store by the name of Wellwoods, which was like a a five and ten. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went in and uh, bought a card, a congratulations card for Dave Moorhead. I mean, this was such an unusual feat, you know. (laughs) And uh, so I took it into my classroom the next day, and all the kids uh, in the class signed the card, for Dave Moorhead, I sent it uh, to Fenway Park, uh, and uh, and and I, I just felt better about it because I, I you know I had, I had to do something I had to commemorate it in some way. So this was in September. I sent I know I sent the card on September seventeenth, the day after he pitched the no hitter, and then come I think it was January of the next year. I I got the mail at, at my uh, at my house in in Melrose, and I saw an envelope with every Major League Baseball team's logo uh, around the edges of the envelope. This was a handwritten envelope, so I opened it up inside, opened up the the contents, and found inside a two-page handwritten letter from Dave Moorhead. Wow. The guy who had pitched the no-hitter for the Red Sox on September 16th, uh, 1965. And he said how much he appreciated the card. And he said he heard from a lot of people, friends and relatives uh, around the country. But uh, this was very special to him because a, a, a class took time out to, to send him a card. He was very much appreciative of it. And, and also... Had a a postcard of himself in the in the envelope, which was autographed, 
And, uh, and you know, if I had been at that game, if I had been at that no-hitter, I probably wouldn't have sent the card. Yes. But I, I had to commemorate it in some way. So that, that's my Sound of Music story. And I will always think of those two events. You know, when, it, when I hear the Sound of Music, I always think of the no-hitter that I missed at Fenway Park. We'll take a break, and after the break, we will check in with Bob Lipman from Cary, North Carolina, as he is there with Southern New Hampshire University vying for a NCAA Division II baseball championship. Back with more right after these words. Kale and Company, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Very happy to uh, welcome back to the WKXL airwaves, Bob Lipman. Bob, good morning to you. Good morning, Ken. How you doing? Uh, I can't think of anything I'd rather do more than to sit and talk baseball with Ken Kale. Well, we're going to do it for the next 10 minutes or so here on WKXL. And uh, Bob, a, a a former member of our WKXL team and a number of years back. And Bob is now the communications assistant in the Southern New Hampshire University Athletic Department. And uh, Bob is in Cary, North Carolina. First of all, Bob, where is Cary in North Carolina? The suburb of Raleigh. Okay, very good. So uh, the the Penman lost their their first game down there on uh, Sunday by a score of two to one to Angelo State, but bounced back in a big way yesterday. Tell us about it. A couple of home runs. Mike LaRocca hit one in the first inning. And Nick Schwartz added a three-run homer, and the Penman beat Augustana 10-6. to The uh, Vikings were the team that bounced Southern New Hampshire from the 2018 World Series with a couple of wins, and they went on to win the, the championship that year. So it was, uh, it was good for SNHU to get back into the win column. Uh, they had lost six straight games here in Cary, so it certainly felt good. But as uh, Coach Luazo said afterwards, uh, they didn't come here to win one game. They came here to uh, win a championship in uh, Cary, North Carolina, NCAA Division II championship, with the, which the Penman have never won, and it, it must have feel it felt good uh, to eliminate uh, Augustana uh, yesterday. It, look, any win that you get in this yeah. tournament is coming against a team that won their region, and there are only eight regions in the country, so... Uh, when you step out onto the field, uh, every game is against a team with a with a crazy good record. Today, the Penmen are going to play fifty and ten North Greenville, the defending national champs, and they got bumped into the losers bracket by Angelo State last night. So uh, it'll be a tough one today, but uh, the Penmen look to stay alive. But unfortunately, one of these two teams will be done at the end of play today. And it was uh, Angelo State that uh, defeated. Uh, Southern New Hampshire University on uh, Sunday by a score of uh, two to one, and today, as Bob mentioned, uh, it will be uh, North Greenville at uh, two thirty uh, this afternoon. But let's talk about the the season that the uh, the Penman had. It was really a, a remarkable one, uh, twenty one and three in the Northeast Ten. 
23 so and that. 23 and 1 in the northeast 23 10. correct 23 yep. and 1 they had won their first 22 and then lost a 4-3 game to Franklin Pierce and then finished up with a win over Franklin Pierce. So they only lost once in the conference the whole year. Yeah, it's amazing. That is truly amazing. And overall, 43-12. and 12. What, what, right. a, what a season. What, what were some of the, uh, uh, the reasons? Who, who were some of the, the standouts during the course of the regular season? So when you're going to play 43-12 and 12 baseball, you're going to need to be an all-around team for sure, right? Nick Schwartz, uh, who is a second-team All-American this year, is currently on track to be only the third penman ever to hit over 400 in a season. He's at 405. Uh, we have three of the leading all-time home run hitters in program history hitting around Schwartz in the lineup. Schwartz has 13 homers this year. A kid named Cam Carraher has 14. Mike LaRocca hit his 12th yesterday, so they, they certainly have the power game. They have the, I think, the number two base stealer in the country in Daniel Rivera, and they have one of the top starting pitchers in all of dub, uh, of Division Two, and that's Jeffrey Prammel, who skipped last season, came back to pitch for the Penman this year, and is on track for a, a remarkable end to his career. Uh, all-time strikeout leader just about, and uh, his ERA has been phenomenal this year. And in the aluminum bat era, that has uh, certainly jumped off of the page at me. Yeah, no no doubt about that. But uh, the, the, the Penman have been uh, very consistent. It's been a great, great program uh, in recent years, and now uh, they are as close to a Division II championship as they have ever been. But 2018, they finished third. That was the uh, year that they lost uh, twice to Augustana in the uh, in the World Series. So, one more win, and they'd uh, be right back uh, in position to where they could do that once again. But this program since 2012 has just been unbelievable. And Coach Loazzo, who was who was a Franklin Pierce grad three times as an assistant, he went to the World Series with. Franklin Pierce, he was one of their top players, and he's led the Penman. Uh, the wins, what are we sitting at now? 43 this year. They won 46 last year. They won 43 in, in 17. They were, Their best team ever, 2016, they went 50-7, and seven, and they didn't make it to the World Series because they lost to a 50-win Franklin Pierce team in the East Regional Final and didn't make it here. Wow. Well, they have uh, made it now, and, and as I look at the uh, the Penman roster, uh, there are a lot of uh, underclassmen uh, on, on that roster, and it uh, you know I, you obviously you're going to use lose some uh, key components, but it looks like uh, the majority of the team is is coming back uh, for next season. Yeah, obviously we're not thinking about next season right. and how right. things could play out. You're losing your number one and number two starters. They're both grad students who are going to be graduating in uh, Prammel and, and Jeff, Josh Roberge. Everybody else has eligibility left. An entire lineup that Ken this year has scored 10 or more runs in 28 of the 55 games. Wow. 
<laughs> it's truly an, an amazing accomplishment. And uh, so what, what do you know about the team they're going to take on uh, this afternoon, uh, the uh, North Greenville team? North Greenville is the defending national champs. Yeah. Uh, they felt slighted that they were given the number two seed here in Cary. Millersville of Pennsylvania was, was number one. So they kind of were playing with a, with a chip on their shoulder. And I did a, uh, in my game notes for today, I kind of did the, the comparison box and the, and the two, the statistics on the two teams are remarkably similar. Penman averaged 9.4 runs a game, North Greenville, 9.4 runs per game. Uh, Team ERA, SNHU a little bit better. They're third in the nation, but North Greenville is 12th in the nation. Uh, they're making their sixth uh, NCAA appearance this year. Uh, I could not find a single time that Southern New Hampshire and North Greenville have ever met in any sport. They're in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, just outside yep. Greenville, South Carolina. So today would be the first uh, meeting ever between the teams. Beautiful town, by the way. And I don't know if you've ever seen their minor league ballpark, uh, but but they have a replica green monster at the, yes, they are. They're yeah. in the Red Sox system, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was down there once for a Monarchs game, and uh, uh, a couple who uh, lived in the Manchester area and had moved to Greenville uh, gave me a tour of the city and uh, took me to the ballpark specifically to see that uh, that green monster in left field at the Green uh, Greenville ballpark. I don't know if the the college team plays there or not, but. Uh, uh, North Greenville and Southern New Hampshire University, the Penman. Today it is uh, do or die uh, for for these teams, and uh, uh, we hope the the Penman will be successful uh, this afternoon at uh, at two thirty. And then, uh, what would be the schedule after that, Bob? If- All right. If the Penman were to win today, then they would play Angelo State tomorrow night. Uh, Angelo State and Rollins are the two clubs that are through with two and all records. So they're in the driver's seats on the two sides of the bracket. So if the Penman were to win, they would have to play. They would have to beat Angelo State twice in a row in order to make it to the finals. How's the weather looking for today? Well, that's you mentioned. We're playing at two thirty. We were supposed to play at six. Back end of the day looks. Uh, potential for thunderstorms and so they moved everything up to 11 a.m and 2 30 so we hope we get it in uh without any issues all right very good bob lipman with uh, southern new hampshire university the baseball team in Cary, north carolina big matchup this afternoon at uh, 2 30 against uh, north greenville the defending national champion so uh, bob uh, good luck to the penman uh, this afternoon Thanks for having me on, Ken. Anytime, Bob. Always welcome here on WKXL. Thanks so much. Enjoy now. Enjoy the game. All right, so there you have it from Bob uh, in Cary, North Carolina. Chance of some inclement weather uh, later on today. So they uh, moved the games up. Good move. And uh, a big, big game for the Penman going for their first ever Division II National Championship It's a must-win situation for Southern New Hampshire University uh, this afternoon in Cary, North Carolina. Again, uh, tomorrow we will be uh, talking about Wine Week 
in the state of New Hampshire. That is W-I-N-E, not W-H-I-N-E. No complaining about Wine Week in the state of New Hampshire and the big gala next Thursday night uh, in Manchester will uh, benefit the New Hampshire Food Bank. And we will be talking about that tomorrow on our program here on WKXL. Thanks for joining us today. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. We'll be back tomorrow, and we hope you'll join us then. Have a great Wednesday, everybody.